Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Bitches Be Brave podcast, where we talk about support for each other and what it means to be brave as a mom, as a woman, as a working mom. I'm your host, Bev Steele. And quite frankly, work-life balance is crap. We all just want a life. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Chris Ward, the author of the book, Win the Hour, Win the Day. Chris was like many of us, working crazy hours, seven days a week, completely exhausting herself and thinking that was the way to get things done when her life really stopped because of health and family issues. And when she returned to work, she really realized that there was a better way. She was very much like you and I, where you know we're always trying to find that extra minute, that extra hour to do one more thing, to answer one more email, to run one more errand. She is a self-proclaimed recovering rushaholic, which I completely understand. I've been trying to change that. We talk a lot about work-life balance and that it's crap. I've said it again and again, but Chris really drives home the fact that your work should support your life and not consume it. Crazy hours is not really what we want to be doing. You know, we want to be working smart. We want to be getting things done. There are some light bulb moments, which I mentioned on this podcast. As we go through it, please listen to the end because she gives some really good tips about your time bank account. And I've been putting some of them into play in my work and in my personal life recently. And honestly, it's been a game changer. So. Here we go. Welcome, Chris. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. We're just going to have so much fun. Yeah, it took us a while. It's been a little bit crazy. It's funny that with COVID and everything, you think that we had more time, but last year was crazy. Oh, time is a fleeting perception. That's what we're here to talk about. It's not more time you need. (laughs) Exactly. Especially as working moms and you have two boys, right? Yes, yes, yes. Great. How old are they? They're 16, 18. Oh, okay. Yes. You're in the thick of it. So before we kind of jump in, because I have a million things to talk to you about, could you just tell our listeners your story, how you came to even writing the book, when the hour, when the day? Yeah, sure. So like any entrepreneur, when I started, I was working insane hours, right? So you go about two years without sleep and you start to lose some of your charm. You're just not as gentle and friendly as you used to be if you possess those qualities. So I was doing that. And as my husband said, I was always stealing from sleep, like getting up early, stay later, all that type of stuff. And you start to see patterns of behavior, like people are waiting at the door, like, are you guys ready? Yeah. And you get there and they don't have their shoes on. And you think, oh my gosh, I could have answered two more emails. I call myself now a recovering rushaholic. So What happened was I realized I can't keep that up. Not only is it not good for me and my health, but I'm not winning any favors with the people around me, right? So what I did was I started to feverishly examine productivity and team building and all this other stuff. And I thought, how are the most successful people in the world doing it? And by successful, I'm not talking about revenue because lots of people, you guys are out there, you're making revenue, but you're just running yourself into the ground. So to move the story forward, I really went from working 16 hours a day down to six. And we'll unpack how that happened a little bit later. And luckily I did, because it was like a couple of years after that, that I had been pulled away from my business when my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer. And I had been away from the business for about two years. And when I returned after his passing, my existing 
clients, I'm a marketing strategist is how I started out. And my existing clients had no idea of my absence. We didn't feel as good for business. I also, we were very positive in nature. We felt that if the doctors were wrong, we sat around for two years crying, holding hands. If the doctors were right, we sat around the last two years crying, holding hands. So, Mm -hmm. so we just, it was a, a private matter and it's how I dealt with it. And so when I returned, people were really shocked and they started to ask me about under the fragility of life and how fragile it is. They're working evenings and weekends and missing soccer games and doing all these things. Could I help them? And so that's how when the hour, when the day started. And when I started doing that, I realized, you know, your business should support your life, not consume it. Because let's be realistic here. Let's take all the emotion out of the story. If I had returned and did not have a business, I would have had to do a job search, craft a resume, try to be charming in an interview and learn a new job. And that was not the headspace I was in after losing my best friend. So you do need a business that supports your life instead of consuming it. And so I started, I wrote, I was working with these people and I, I took those experiences and I wrote my book, When the Hour, When the Day. And then I just started talking to more and more people. And, and I was realizing that a lot of you guys out there, you look good on paper. You Maybe you have a podcast or you've written a book or you want to write your second book, but you're still working crazy hours. And that just is not a plan. It, it, it diminishes your return on sort of, you think you're making money, but per hour, you're not, all that stuff. So I just thought, hey, let's create a movement where your business business should be fun. And it, again and again, it should support your life instead of consuming it. So that's how it all started, the sort of redirection, the mushroom, mushrooming of that sort of impact. Yeah. I love it. You're singing my song. As I always say, like work-life balance is crap. It's just the life that we want. And really the light bulb, and I see a light bulb behind you in your office, went off when I started looking at how, you know, I really want work-life balance and how can I have it all? And everything pointed back to me getting up earlier, like you said, or working later. Yeah, And that really isn't what it's all about. And I don't find it surprising that you kept your husband's illness private because we're kind of conditioned to do that, especially as working moms. Like, Hey, we can't let people at work know that we're moms and we can't let our stay at home moms friends know that we're working because God forbid we weren't dedicated either place. So I can really feel your story and how that could be a wake up call. Mm. So having said that, I love when the hour, when the day, because it's taking it right by a bite-sized piece. So can you kind of explain where the title came from and what the philosophy is behind that? Yeah, that's a great question. And probably one of the most common ones we get at www.winthehourwintheday.com. And what I would say is I do truly believe if you can win the hour, you can win the day. And so many times as entrepreneurs, we rush in with these big, large, clunky plans or it's like, I want to get a book out. I want to start a podcast. I want to do all these things. But what happens is the, the goal isn't defined. You don't have the infrastructure in play. You don't have what I call a win team. What is next team to support you? So then you just white knuckle it and rely on what all that stuff you see out there about grinding it out, discipline, which by the way, discipline erodes your brain, brain power, like nobody's business, right? So what happens is breaking these things down to have a strategy and it so often does start with using what I call your time bank account, your calendar and understanding that you don't have all day to do this or you don't can't get this out by the end of the month. You have to break it down like anything else you do in life. So it really is, if you win the hour, you can win the day. So let's talk about the calendar. 
I am notorious for saying, okay, I've got to get myself together. I need to get organized. So they go buy a new calendar or I get an app on my phone that does this, or I get a new beautiful colored journal because that's going to be my to-do list. So where do the tools that may support you fit into actually helping you get something done and not just becoming another task? That's such a great question, Bev. So we get that a lot. And people ask me, oh, what apps do you use? What tools do you use? And you know what? Here's the thing. When I'm working with my clients, whether it's one-on-one group coaching or in our masterclass or a winner's circle, what I talk about is anything that I use is either free or next to free. And it has to have very immediate results. Because I've been seduced like yourself where I, oh, this if I just learn this thing and pay for this thing and in 12 weeks, oh, I'll put a widget in one end and it'll come out the other, right? <laughs> and you spend all that time learning it. It's not what you thought. So here's the thing. The most successful people in the entire world are using free apps like the Google Calendar and different things like that. It's really about the strategy, right? So what I would tell you is we call them our super toolkit. So we talk about the three components to any successful business, which would be team, time, and toolkits. So here's an example. If you guys could imagine, let's say in your left hand, you look over in your left hand and you've got like a house plant and you think, oh, this looks healthy. It's really exciting. It's like, oh, this is going really well. I bought a house plant. I've kept it alive. It's fantastic. And you're feeling really good and you think, you know what? I'm going to go get a second house plant, right? And then you're like, I'm really onto something here. Maybe I'm going to get a third one and I'm going to start selling house plants to make a profit. Fantastic. Okay. So you're so inspired. You like how this makes you feel. You're just feeling like, you know, this is maybe your thing and this is going to really take off. So mm-hmm. you thought, hmm, what could I do? What, what could I do? What if I started a farm? So now if you think about these house plants and the difference between that and a farm, where the farm would bring you in even all the plants, you could sell them, the revenue, all that stuff. What is the difference? It's the infrastructure that creates the output. That's the only difference between those the three house plants and a field of crops. It is the infrastructure of the output. And we call that your super toolkits. And that part here, if you compare those plants to your clients, when one plant dries up and you got to go get another plant and you're trying to keep this plant alive and there's a vicious circle and you're chasing it, that's what happens with so many businesses, right? They go from one client to three to five and they think, oh, somehow organically, this middle lane is going to fall into play where you're able to manage the workflow as the as your business grows, which is what you want. Mm-hmm. And then like you, Bev, you think, oh, I just have to get more organized. Oh, I need a different timer. Oh, I need this. But you know what? You're just running around putting patches over different holes in the boat when really you need a boat with no holes. And instead of a rowboat, you need a motorboat. And that's where people don't understand. It's a whole business on its own. It's, it's where I eat, sleep, breathe, consume, all the stuff that I'm learning always about how to make more and more efficient super toolkits and create your win team and all the stuff that we do. That's the stuff that most entrepreneurs, they don't do it all. And they're just trapped in what I call the web of admin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you talk about the house plant and then moving to the farm. I mean, I think that's a lot where we all get kind of caught, right? Yeah. You have this good thing and you think that you want to do this and then you've got this big picture, but how do you get there? And yeah. so how you get there is by taking it into smaller pieces or what would you suggest there if I wanted the farm? Well, yeah, <laughs> I want so, the farm. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. So it's what I call our win formula. 
So the super toolkits are like the distant cousin of standard operating procedures. Now, standard operating procedures are usually not written by the end user. They're meant to be static and they're usually meant to cover liability, right? So super toolkits are very different. They're a breathing thing and they allow you to get 12 steps down to eight, down to seven. And, and they allow you that when you do hire somebody on your win team, what happens is in, in the regular world, whether it's small business or big business, the, the hiring process is very upside down. You hire somebody and then you give them work and you check on them and it becomes very parentified, like a parent-child, like a teacher-student kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a win team and what is next team, they really move you forward back to that rowboat versus the motorboat, right? So what ideally you want to be at is you want to be where we call our 60-40 win formula. You want to be 60% creation, 40% admin. Creation means what's the next thing you want to do? Is it group coaching? Is it get a book out? Is it to get a podcast out? Whatever your thing is, you should be 60% creation mode because that's why you're an entrepreneur. That's why you started your business. You did not start a business to run a business. You started it to be creative and get ideas to execution. Otherwise, you would have just stayed at your job. But most entrepreneurs are in about 80, 90% web of admin when they should be in 60% creation mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I can only think for myself of starting this podcast, getting to the point of, wow, I'm so busy. I'm doing this, that, and the other. And I love the creative piece. Love, love it. But I really don't like the admin, the editing that. And I just recently haven't been winning the hour, but I'm trying to win the hour so I can win the day. I hired somebody, which I was telling you before we started recording. But I think that especially if you're just getting started and your money becomes an issue, right? Because sometimes to get people on your team, that's going to be another investment that you may not immediately have. So how do you help or coach individuals that have that That is an excellent question. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. Let me give you two examples. One is many years ago when I was, I went virtual long before anybody else, because I just realized even if it was down the street, I had an appointment, I could hit end to the Skype call and be on the next call in two minutes versus driving even 10 minutes across the city and finding out, oh, okay, I got to wait, whatever. Right. Ah. So as a marketing strategist, I would be sitting in a meeting, making notes and doing all that stuff. Now, because each package is very you know, distinct and unique and all that stuff. So I would promise hand to God when I got back to the office that I would put these notes right into the computer, which never happened, right? So if I was lucky, I got them in Friday afternoon. If I wasn't lucky, which mostly I was not, it was like the mm-hmm. next Friday, right? So now they might call and ask for some clarification on package or something. And now I'm scrambling and I might make a mistake because these notes are meant for 20 minutes on two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So now I look like I could be potentially trying to swindle them. It's like, no, I just have bad notes which is not something to brag about at all, right? Not a great starting point. Mm-hmm. So I thought, all right, I need to, I, I can't do this anymore. So I got a transcriptionist. Now I don't get this, but this was her jam. This is all she wanted to do. She had like 10 clients. She only did this. So she was really fast. So what would happen is I would leave the meeting, sit in my car, talk into the phone, leave very detailed notes. They would be in the computer within 24 hours. Now this got me all Friday afternoon back. Now, the weeks I need her for three, four hours of appointment, it cost me like $12. Mm. And the weeks I didn't need her, I didn't pay. And again, now there's transcription apps that are like even cheaper than that. But what I would tell you is like yourself, Bev, so many people come to me and they say, oh my gosh, I've been doing this podcast and I've been doing it for two years. So I hate to quit it. 
I love meeting the people. I love the creative aspect. I love interviewing, but this beast is taking like six, 10, 12 hours of my week. Uh, it's costing me X amount. Sometimes they're going to different vendors, podcast management companies. So it's like, oh, this is 1500 bucks for 12 shows. Or can I hire somebody? It's got 500 bucks a month. So people often use our super toolkits for our podcast. And for me, we're told all the time that we do good promotions afterwards. And we put a quote card for the guests that's been on. We, we have a lot of little graphics and features and benefits to being on our show, mm-hmm. but it takes me about 12 minutes to, for post-production the way it's set up. I only take 12 minutes. And I would argue that mm, it's cost us maybe somewhere between 40 and 60 bucks a show to produce. Mm -hmm. which is like for most people is like really dirt cheap. So now it's not about the show. It's not that I have this magical system that just covers the show. It's just the super toolkit in play for that particular activity that we do. We created and sort of finesse the super toolkit. So it's really just doing repetitive work that's time consuming and doesn't get any more efficient. Right. So is the super toolkit something that our listeners would get from reading your book or was that something that they would get from additional services that you provide? I wish even in my second book, I'm going to dive into it more. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just not, I've, I, if I could invent a pill or if I could, <laughs> you know, it's, I'm willing to share any secret I have because I truly yeah. am on a mission like I want to create a movement where people have fun with their business and you know mm-hmm. they treat themselves like a, a business athlete. They wake up rested and energized and exercise. So I'm all about that. It's yeah. just a little bit more involved than that, just because it really frankly has to undo a lot of learning that you've been taught through school and employment and stuff. So it's it's not difficult, but it is strategic. Yes. Gotcha. I love it. Well, a lot of our listeners are working moms or they were stay-at-home moms and they're maybe wanting to break out and do something else, do a job. I know that you lost your husband and you were raising kids and that's a very difficult time to start and grow a business. We have women that are either divorced or maybe they're the sole breadwinner. So they feel like they're stuck. So how do you help? I mean, we all have these plans and these dreams that we really want to win the day, but we feel like we're kind of stuck because we have all of these other responsibilities. So is it kind of a slower process or how do you help women that want to break out, but they do just are feeling stuck? Yeah. So being stuck is one thing. So I think what you're saying mm-hmm. is stuck, meaning the, the pain point of this is where I am and I want to be somewhere else. Right. So that really is the most painful thing for anyone, entrepreneur, otherwise, when you have an ambition or a desire and you're not moving towards that, that's where you right. get discomfort and frustration. So I know our clients, we've got multiple levels that people work with us, group coaching, our winner's circle masterclass. We have a free masterclass coming up actually. So if you just check on my Facebook page, the how to hire the perfect person masterclass. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is all my clients tell me that within the first month of working with us, they get back about 25 hours a week. And it really is... Man, it's again, it's just we were never taught this in schools or all the jobs you have. It just wasn't there. So I would tell you, even with the demands of whatever you've got going on, hiring somebody that you can afford that whatever it's five, six bucks an hour that you can get somebody around the globe that's highly talented. The world is a magical place right now as far as resources go that are unbelievably affordable with a high level of talent. Once you set that up properly, I guarantee you, you can relieve some drain on your calendar 
and then just allow you to breathe in or lean into the things that you want to do. So it does take some strategy. It's not about going faster, harder, stronger. It's not about discipline. It's not about white knuckling it. It's not about multitasking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have recently had a couple of groups. I'm getting ready to do the third of just four weeks of brave motivation. And all it is, is talking about why we have these visions that we want for our lives, but we don't do something in our everyday to move us forward. So with winning the hour, win the day, what would you say are maybe four or five of the key things that we should be doing in our day to move our day forward? Like some of us get up and we write a to-do list or some of us get up and we start looking at our calendar or may do it the night before and clarify, like there's like a million different things I've tried. (laughs) Is there like a key, you know, maybe four or five key things that everybody should be doing? Sure. So under the guise of productivity, I'll say a couple things. First of all, your calendar is like your time bank account. So what happens is people will not put things in their calendar that they do every day. And I'm not talking about listing every little thing. I'm talking about putting it in one hour increments. So let's say whether you have a job or, or whatever, you say, oh, as an entrepreneur, oh, I answer emails every day. I know that. Don't worry. It doesn't have to be in my calendar. But that's like saying, hmm, I have a car payment that comes out every month, but I know that. So I don't count it. Well, the money's gone. And that time is gone, right? Mm-hmm. So not understanding. I personally used to think, get out of my way. I can outrun the clock. Don't you worry, right? I will just outrace time and people need to keep up with me. That's it. And it, you may go fast, but it's not efficient and it's not effective and it's, it's not productive. And there's a whole bunch that goes in there and you make mistakes and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's a big one. Understanding the power of your time bank account. When you start putting things in the calendar, you go, huh? Well, no wonder I'm tired or this can't be done. You don't know when you've derailed. Like in my case, as an entrepreneur, something might happen and the printer stuck. And all of a sudden, you know what? You mess around, you lose an hour. Well, then I look at the day and I say, okay, I have to move this. Versus I'd be Mm -hmm. like, oh, before I wouldn't even know how much off course I was because I was operating off a to-do list, which will add all kinds of stress to your day. I was trying to raise time. So that's one big one. The other one I would say to you is work backwards. What is your goal? So we all do this as parents. You say, okay, so my kids have to be at that game at one o'clock. It's an hour away and they have to eat and they have to get dressed. Oh my gosh, we need to leave her at nine to get to that one Mm -hmm, o'clock game. But you don't do that with your work. So here's an example. When I wrote my book, When the Hour, When the Day, I was like, okay, I had to have it to the editor by June because otherwise she couldn't do it till September. So what happened was I broke down and said, all right, broke down the project and said, if I write five pages a day, Monday to Friday, that will get me the book in time. I did the math. Now, there were some days that I did not think I had five pages in me. But the old me, without breaking this down and working backwards, I would have said, okay, you know what? I'm a little tired. It's Monday. You know, tomorrow I'll feel fresh. I'm going to go strong. The pages will just fly out, right? But because I did the math, I would realize, oh my heavens, if I don't have five pages in me today, I will not have 10 in me tomorrow, right? Yeah. So I could not overlook the numbers because they were so painfully hateful. (laughs) You were so clear. (laughs) But before, without the numbers, I could just be like, oh, you know what? By Thursday, I'll feel good. And I'm just going to whip off. And oh, I think I did really good because this week I got seven pages. And last week I got like, there was no measurement. But because I broke it down, it had me accountable and it made it realistic. And it also made it like, I can't do these other things right now because I have to do five pages a day. So Mm -hmm. it gives you clarity where we tend to just put our head down, 
run like you've got a football in your arm and try to outrun the obstacles or the people coming at you. And there's no, there's no clarity or strategy or a realistic expectation. You're just going like a crazy person. And it just, it's harmful to your health, to your family, to your stress. And the goals just don't happen. So it's counterproductive. Yeah. So something like you were talking about the emails, you're suggesting that instead of just because we just think I've got to answer my emails because that's just out there. It's on our minds all the time that you would actually schedule that in your calendar at a specific time for nine to 10. I'm answering emails. And yeah. Then- so really you should answer your emails like twice a day. Mm-hmm. And if you need to answer them more than that, what if there's a problem? Well, then that's the symptom of a bigger problem. But if you're mm-hmm. dealing with rather successful people, somebody like, let's say Bev, you want to reach somebody, you want to be on somebody's podcast and they're a big deal or something, you know, you're not going to send an email, get one back in five minutes. You're like, Oh, they're important. They'll get back to me like maybe in two days from now. Right. Right. So you're training your connections that you're responding all the time. You're just running in and catching emails. And then also what happens is the way the brain works, there's this thing called attention residue and decision fatigue. You go into emails, information in every email, one email to the next is going in totally different direction. It's like having all the apps open on your phone and it burns down your battery right? So you also don't want to do the emails first thing in the morning because it uses up, it opens all your apps. So what I would tell you is the thing that requires the most concentration or focus, you do that first thing in the app, that first hour where you mm-hmm. start your work refreshed and you're more clear. So I was writing my book that first hour. Then also as the day moved on and I got tired, it's like, okay, I can answer these emails because I know these people and I don't need as much clarity on that one. And then I also didn't have that weight of, oh my gosh, it's two o'clock. I haven't got to my book yet. Oh my God. And then that becomes something that burns down your battery, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I still want my head and you've started it and I have to get five pages in today. So it's really sometimes about not about getting all these going faster, harder, stronger. It's about reorganizing your inventory, your assets, your energy, making that efficient. Kind of like reminds me of when I was in university and I was a server at a keg steak at a steakhouse. You know, you counted your steps. You made sure you did a circle of a table. Like, okay, drop a tea off here, give them a water, get their bill, go back to the kitchen. I didn't run back and forth every time somebody wanted something. It would just people's meals would not have gotten there on time. I would have been run down to the ground within an hour. So it's reorganizing your energy, which most people don't think about that. They just put their head down and run. Yeah. Yeah. It just, this reminded me of a conversation I had to have once with my husband, like he was asking me to do something. I'm like, you just have no idea what I have to do. Like it's all what I call it, mental overload or mental fog, whatever. Because so many, especially as a mom and a working mom, like, oh gosh, you know, I need to get the you know, dentist appointment. I need to go to the grocery store. I need to do that. And on top of all those other things that you have to do, but those necess- those normally for me fell on a to-do list. And then they'd be moved to the next day for the to-do list, which is even longer, kind of like your five pages becomes 10 pages the next day. And I remember one time my husband saying to me, well, what do you have? Like, I literally had to go back and like, add things to my to-do list that were still in my head. And then he took some things. I don't put them in my calendar though. This is kind of a light bulb is going off for me right now because that would even be easier because I could see if you're asking for help because maybe your significant other could be a support as well as somebody on your team or whatever. When you move that, you can start to, yes. it's in your face, right? I need to move this because it's not getting done. So that's kind of a reminder, right? 
And you could tag them and you could put the details in there. Yeah. It's all in there, right? So you say, yeah. okay, here, I'm going to do groceries Friday afternoon at four. And here's my list inside there. Oh, I guess what? What somebody just got caught, got hurt at school. I'll go pick them up. I'll tag you. Here's the grocery list. Right. It's right in the calendar. So it, the to-do list is a wonderful way to add stress to your life because it's a whole bunch of things going in different directions. They're not in order of sequence or how long they're. One thing is 20 minutes. The other is two hours or two days. They're not in chronological order. It's a real, uh, lot of studies about how damaging a to-do list is. And everybody, you're just like running around with a bunch of file drawers open in your head. Yeah, absolutely. And I won't have two things. I won't have a calendar and a to-do list. You've just made my day, Chris. (laughs) That is fantastic. I love it. So I want to just kind of switch gears just a little bit. I know we're kind of, we're talking about productivity because productivity is part of having a good calendar and getting things done and checking it off. But can we talk about how do you really figure out what is productive and you should be doing versus busy work? Because I have worked with a lot, a lot of people, especially in this motivation where maybe you do want to get in shape or maybe you do want to lose weight, but you always find like some of the excuses that, that can come through. It's like, well, I've got an appointment or I've got this, I've got that. So where does productivity fall with possibly just creating busy work? So you have an excuse not to. Well, if you're working backwards and you use your calendar, there is no room for busy work. It, because yeah. it's all there, right? So you can see here, you can be like, okay, I have to do this from this and that. So busy work is when you run around and you try to make yourself feel better by checking things off a to-do list. Yes. And okay, I did that. And then you've got this to-do list with 15 things on it and you feel really good. Like I checked out five. Okay, I left the five that are most important and the biggest. And they, these first five were things like, yep, I don't know. I, whatever. I, I clicked a button and paid a bill. Great. But that wasn't like the 10th one that was a two-day project and you've been neglecting that for months, right? So what I would say is when you work backwards and it's on your calendar, then you don't have room for busy work because everything is strategic. Like I knew I had to write those five pages every day. So then I'm also, because I have that in my face, I know from nine to 10, it's like the phone might ring. Like, listen, I only got 15 minutes left and I got to get two more pages out. I'll have to deal with that later. So you're really purposeful Kind of like you are even when you're driving, you know, we do this in other areas of our life. It's like, oh, look, I'm not going to get off here because I get off that exit. It's going to be so much work. It's Friday night. The traffic is really bad. You know what? This is what I'm going to do. Boom, boom, boom. And you're really efficient with your energy and you're purposeful with your GPS and your travel. But yet you look at the calendar and I know I did. I just thought I could outrun it. But if you are strategic with your energy and your time, understanding that's your time bank account things will have a place to go and they will live in those places. And it won't be just like a whole bunch of 52 pickup deck of cards thrown all over the floor. Yeah. And you've got to really then learn how to say no. I know for myself, being healthy is super important. And I work for a company that's headquartered on the East Coast. So I would have no problem letting somebody book a conference call for me at six or something. I'm like, I'm a good employee. So finally, I had to take a hard look and say, why am I not getting my workouts done in the morning? And I was seeing that I was just reacting. So now I just blocked my calendar. I put focus time in the morning. And nobody yeah. ever books an appointment for me. It's an, yeah, because if it's there, you're like, oh, I'm already yeah. booked at that time. That's it, right? Yes, yes. And that's the thing. Entrepreneurs will say to me like, oh, tomorrow's a free day, meaning that they don't have any scheduled appointments. A lot of people use a calendar for outside influences. So it's like the mm-hmm. tail wagging the dog. It doesn't matter how much you don't want to go to the dentist. It's on the calendar. You'll be there. But right. your work isn't there. And so they'll be like, oh, I have a free day tomorrow because I don't have any appointments. You don't have a free day. 
you had tons of work to do, right? Yes. But then somebody comes up, oh, they need to meet with you. Well, you haven't put anything on the calendar. Whereas if, if you were like nailing home this bookstore again, like, oh, I have to write the book. I have to do this. I have to do that. And like, oh, I can't fit you in tomorrow. Let me see if I can fit you in another day. Mm-hmm. But when you just have this stuff in your head, you're closing your eyes and looking at the ceiling to remember something, you're like, okay, I'll, I'll stick it in there. Because businesses are not run on memory. Nobody hands somebody something to FedEx and say, can you get this organ to the Chicago hospital? Oh, you have the address, right? You've got the address? Good. All right. Thank you. Right? (laughs) So nothing gets done. Like anything that matters has to have a strategy, a plan. You work backwards. You use your time bank account. Yeah. And it's just going back to having to say no. I just took a vacation recently and I said, you know what? I'm not going to check any of my work emails while I'm gone. I had a coworker answering my emails. Very, very capable individual. I knew if there was a horrible problem with a client that he could handle it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I it was the first vacation I've ever taken where I did not, even on the plane there or the plane home, start checking to catch up. I said, I'm not doing it. I'm going to be present. But I don't know if that comes with being older and just finally saying, what am I doing? Or is that, I talked to my kids about it because I think it's, you need to learn, like you can take a step away from work. But do you find that, that the people that you work with have trouble saying no? Because eventually you find out, hey, this is what I want. This is what I want for my business. This is what I want for my life. There's other things that you're doing because you think that you have to say yes on how they say no or how they get it. I find for them, it's easier. They don't, it's not a matter of saying no, because no's are like, put your, carve a line in the sand. No. Yes. What happens is when the calendar is full, if I said to you, Hey Bev, I'm in town. I would really love to take you out for dinner. Thank you for being a guest on your podcast. Great. But somebody else said, Oh, I'd like to go with you Thursday night. You say, Oh, I'm sorry. Chris is, I already made plans with Chris. Here's what's happening. So when your calendar has things on it, you don't even have to get the discipline or the gumption to say, no, you say, oh, I have no, okay. What about Tuesday? We all do this with our hairdressers. Have you never called your hairdresser? Like, oh my gosh, I got to look at this important event and they just called me, whatever. Something's happening in my kid's school, whatever. I need my haircut. It's horrible. Okay. And you're like, can we get in Thursday night? No. Okay. What about Thursday morning? No, I can see you Friday morning, 8 a.m. Oh, okay, I guess I'll move it. Like we're dictating around her because she said, I'm already booked. And it's just it's not surgery, right? But you're like, okay, I'm now going to move everything I can to fit into their schedule. And that's the same thing. But when you go, oh, I, okay, I guess I'll fit you in because I didn't put, you lose track of how many things you have to do. And then the only thing that gets your attention is a rotating cycle of emergencies. It percolates to the top because you're like, oh, right. I put that off in my mind a couple of weeks down. I didn't realize I've moved it three times. But when you have to yes. physically move it on your calendar, you're like, oh, I've already moved that once. I can't move that again. Like we're yes. done, right? Yes. So you cannot improve what you don't measure. Yes. I love it. It's funny. I'm just thinking my, my oldest daughter wants to go to New York. Her boyfriend has an internship there and she kept wanting me to help her with the flight. And we're like having discussions cause I was going to go with her. And so finally I asked her to make it do a meeting request for me. Cause she always would ask me when I'm in the middle of something. And she's yeah, like, yeah. what? I'm like, yeah, you don't know how to do a meeting request. So we went on her Google and she showed her how to do it. And she sent the request and then I accepted it. 
And we did it. It was yesterday. Yeah. We met yeah. in my office at that time, got done. I said, this is amazing, which is yeah. to your point, I never would have done that. But <laughs> yeah. maybe it was in preparation of this podcast today. It was it's like, a game changer. It is. Well, I love that. I'm actually going to take my to-do list after this podcast and, and plot a little bit into my calendar. And I'm, I think that I, I've had a light bulb moment for sure. So Chris, so can you tell us where our listeners can get your book? where they can find you, all of that. Yeah, so the book is on Amazon, When the Hour, When the Day. You can check it out there. Reach out to me in any of the socials. We've got a community in Facebook. We'd love to see you join. We, I give all kinds of tips, trainings in there. And we've got a free masterclass coming up that we do once every six weeks. And this one is how to hire the perfect person and ah. how to get your ideas to execution. So yeah, just reach out to me. Tell me you heard me on this fantastic podcast and we'll take yeah. it from there. Okay. And we'll put all that in the show notes. And did you say that you have another book coming out? Well, we're working on that, but working it's not on, the okay. point. Yes. Yes. It's not the point that you're it... bragging about it yet. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to put any pressure on you yeah. and how crazy that can be. Okay. And also one of the things I always ask my guests, what does it mean to you to be brave? I guess to me, brave means do not react don't take direction in your life based on fear. Yes. So if you say like, I'm afraid this is going to happen. And so now here's the choice based on that fear. So it is just staying true to the course of what you want to do. And you just can't keep going down every side road because you're fearful of something. So I, my, my passion is not to let fear dictate any of my behaviors or decisions. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? Do you consider it a challenge when you have a little fear? No, I, I just think it would, to me, I think of it like if you're somebody gave you directions and you plug in a GPS and you can have 14 directions like, oh, get off this exit, do here. But if you take one side road that's wrong, you end up in a totally different area, right? Yeah. So I think when you're running from something instead of to something is very dangerous because it's such like, you don't know where you'll end up. I was going here and now because it, all I'm doing is running the opposite direction, I have yeah. no idea where I'll go. So to me, it's just not an option for fear to be a decision. It's not a decision factor for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. Well, I love it. And I loved meeting you and talking with you. And I can't wait when that book does come out. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and nothing more valuable someone can give you than your time. So thank you for giving me yours. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> 